You're listening to the world-famous White Roof Radio, webcast number 569 for Monday, October 12th, 2015. Tonight brought to you by Cravensweed.com, MotoringStripes.com, IamNotWearingPants.com, and OutMotoring.com. Mini performance, speed, and style. It's OutMotoring.com. Hey everybody, it's Stevie in Arizona bringing you a brand new episode of the world famous White Roof Radio. We're here talking about Mini Coopers for you on a Monday night like we like to do. Joining us this evening as always, my good friend Todd Pearson from MotoringStripes.com. Todd, say hi. Present and accounted for. Nicely done. Uh, the good reverend now with a solid four weddings under his belt. Uh, the, our man from Detroit, Detroit.com, Mr. Chad Miller. Hello, hello. And, and Alex is here. thanks Frenchie's in the house good talking to you guys yes nice talking to you Uh, it was a great show thanks guys Uh, good night (laughs) that was awesome I love getting a special treatment every every opening you always get get the special treatment Alex just for you because Alex what was that thing I sent you earlier where the the, the, France, France, France is going without cars on Sundays. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> right? Weird communist bullshit is that, Alex? Um, we talked about it last week. Did we? Yeah. Yes, we talked about that last week about how France banned cars on the in central Paris on Sundays. Right. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, that was actually, actually a really interesting story. I was just being a dork. But it's <laughs> pretty, good. Yeah, found the story on the internet. It was actually pretty interesting. Yeah. And I think I sent a nice response to ADB. Yeah, you sent a, a, an appropriate response. <laughs> I, I can't repeat on the internet podcast show. <laughs> what else happened on the internet this week? <clears throat> lots of Clement stuff. I don't know if you guys. Yeah, lots of Clement stuff. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. We're not. We're not. We're still pre-show. Um, our our boys over at Top Gear. We we know they're making a new show for the Amazon. Yeah. On the Amazon Prime, a new motoring show. That's the only thing keeping me from canceling Amazon Prime. Well, that and the free shipping. And the free shipping, um, and the, the music too. But anyway, uh, they started filming this week. Oh, I, mean, I totally missed that. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's on the Twitter, and there's a picture of Jeremy Clarkson, James May, and Richard Hammond. I got to actually find the picture and they're uh, at a track as you would expect. And each one of them is standing in front of a hypercar. So one of them is standing in front of the LaFerrari, one of them is standing in front of the McLaren P1 and one of them is standing in front of that really badass Porsche. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. the, uh, I think that's the, the test, like the comparison they wanted to do uh, at towards the end of the last season, right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. And I think actually, uh, Chris Harris did the same. Did he? I think he did, yeah. Mm. I think he did. Mm. And I'll have to check. All right. So I will post the link to this particular uh, tweet from Mr. Jeremy Clarkson. Jezza, I'll post that up in the show notes for you guys if you want to see this epic picture. Um, but it is truly, truly amazing. You guys need to go check it out. I'm super excited for the new episode of Top Gear. Anyway, I thought that was cool. Uh, so I'll put the link to that in the show notes so you guys can check that out. It's really cool stuff. And then, I think that's it. That's all I had that was funny and different and exciting. And Porsche also versus Google. Oh, and Porsche versus Google, which we might talk about that later if there's enough time. But really quick, just I, don't know, I post this over at Wire Free Facebook page if you guys didn't see it. And reason why Porsche isn't letting Google have Android play in the new Porsche is because Google is evil. Well, Google's evil. Yes. To be to be fair, um, but Google Apple says, sure, we'd love to be in the new Porsche. That would be awesome. And Porsche says, well, okay, Apple, what do you need? And Apple need, Apple says, we need to know when the car is moving. <laughs> so Porsche goes, perfect, done. Here you go. And Apple's all awesome. Thanks. Well, and that's just because you realize that most interactive things with cars and minis are like this now. You can't change settings. You can't do anything while the car is in motion until you stop. Correct. So so that's what they want. Apple needs to know when the car's moving. Porsche goes, sure, no problem. Here you go. You have access to when knowing when the car's in motion. Right. Apple's awesome. Here's our system. Then they go to Google. Google says, hey, Porsche, we want to be your new car. Porsche goes, yeah, that'd be awesome. We'll put Android Auto in our car. What do you need? 
And then Google starts reading out this laundry list of things. We need to know how fast the car is going. We need to know throttle position. We need to know oil pressure and temperature. We need to know coolant temperature and pressure. Basically, we want the OBD2 OBD2 dump. <laughs> OBD2 OBD dump from the computer. And Porsche's all, uh, yeah. Not F you. So F you is what they said. <laughs> so remember that if you're using Android Auto in a car, well, the data that Google's actually getting sent back is your speed, your throttle position, um, and whatever other OB, OBD information is in there. Not to mention, since you're using Google product, they're tracking everywhere you go anyway. So, which I don't know, that part doesn't bother me. But I don't want Google to know how fast I'm going. No, that that's pretty bad. And can I just say that lately I have noticed something in mini literature. Mm. And if you go and build a new mini and you want mini connected, then look at the interactivity with that. You know what it says here? Mini Connected is only compatible with an Apple iPhone 4S or later. That's and what I think that, good. That's what it that's said. Good. They're just like, you know, screw. They don't even mention Android. They don't even mention Android coming soon because, you know, we've all been told that. Oh, it's coming soon. It's coming soon. They've been saying that for five years, right? Yep. Uh, but now. Nope. <laughs> now we know why. Just screw it. Yep. It's because manufacturers, some manufacturers are saying, you know, that's fine. We want our customers to be able to use whatever system they have, right? And for a Volkswagen or for a Toyota or for General Motors or Ford, somebody's got to please like, uh, uh, half the people on the planet with a vehicle that they sell. It's like, okay, cool. You know, as long as you understand that that's what's going on. But like somebody who's a little bit more niche, like Porsche or Mini or BMW, they're all, no. No, we're not going to give Google that information. Especially when they're hot. Sorry, Andrew, go ahead. Google's getting ready to build a car. Yeah, Google's building yeah. a car. Apple's also building a car. No, exactly, yeah. No, and so that's funny because they should ask. I mean, they they would have. You would think that they would ask like more information than Google would, but it's just you know it's just like two different view of uh, of privacy those two companies have. And I'm I'm very glad that you know obviously we're the Apple fanboys here, but I'm very glad that you know Apple is having this position versus Google. And I really you know for all the. Um, the things you can say about Apple and versus Android, like I understand some of the things are better on Android and, and vice versa. But like when it comes to privacy, I mean, it's, it's it's a no brainer. I just don't understand why people would go Google versus Apple on this on this specific topic. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's it is what it is. If you've got if you're an Android person, you're going to you, you want the stuff in your car. You just make sure that you understand if you're going to use Android Auto, the information that Google is being sent back from your car. You're pretty much stuck with an well, American like like. Detroit Steel. Or, you know, to bring this full circle, okay. Okay, if they're, they know something more than the other person, going back to the whole Volkswagen con, you know, discussion that we had last week, maybe Apple has figured out, oh, we just need to know that the car is moving, and we already know how to figure all this stuff out. Like, Volkswagen's like, well, we know how to figure out whether they're testing for emissions, you know? Maybe Google hasn't figured out how to be like, <laughs> we don't know how to get all that information yet, just with the car moving, you know? So, you know, there is that swing of the bench, you know? Who knows? Well, it's amazing the kind of information that's dumped through that port because, Alex, you did a review of the automatic. And I have uh, oh, done the review, but I still, I still have one in my car. I, I just got one. I just got a brand new one. Uh, a friend of mine gave it to me. Um, Was it version two or version one? It's the latest. It just literally oh. just came in the mail like yesterday. Cool. Um, but uh, a friend of mine uh, uh, got it for me, and I haven't. I don't think it's going to work with the GP. I think I've got to put it in the in the new F fifty six because no, it's going to work with the GP. It was a ninety six uh, ninety six yeah. and over. Okay, good. Yeah, good, yeah. good. So uh, I can't wait to play with it. But anyway, my whole point was the amount of information that is dumped through that port is it's ridiculous. Oh yeah, and there's apps that'll access all that information. So, right. I mean, do you also want Google to know when you throw check engine light? Yeah, because it, that all. This is all Why do they need to know that? Seriously. Exactly. I, I it's don't. it's not that they need to know that, but they're they're gathering all this information to figure out. someday they're going to take over the world. Come on. Yeah, well, I mean that too. But I mean, <laughs> what could we tell? You know, uh, you know, a news agency is like, well, we have this lead that all of the Volkswagens are throwing these codes, or all, you know that you know they come with a permanent check engine light, or uh. you know that the minis are all throwing check engine lights because of a particular code all of the time, and they're like, ah, here's a news story, and we're going to sell it to this agency or what you know because the possibility you, chad you're not so far no. off from the possibilities you're uh, you know, like anything no matter what it is no matter your stance on any view of anything 
information is power. If it's, you have the right information, well, you have the power. And it's a privacy issue, like Alex said. It's You should at least be able to opt out of that and say, hey, if I'm going to use my phone in my car, I need to control the information that leaves this car. And right. Mini came out with... Um, uh, actually, Mini didn't. Uh, Apple came out with a statement that said... Our information, didn't they say that it was only one way? Information only came in and didn't leave the car? Something like that, yeah. I think that was the response for uh, Apple CarPlay, was that I, the information didn't go I have a feeling that the, 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 the privacy issues are always going to be challenged no matter what it is because um, uh, they've had these these type of issues with, uh, you know, whether or not, you know, you actually own the car, you know, or do you own the software that's in the car because you've already owned it? Like, you know, how does that work? Uh, you know, with the whole GM and the and the well, software and, and Chad, it's gonna aff- and, it's gonna know. affect you as a business also. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I I bought a eight thousand dollar computer, you know, uh, almost a year ago now, and they don't sell it anymore because they might not be utilized in six months. Well, like, par- really, wow, I'm it, never gonna get my money out of that. You know, so it's, it's not only that, but you, there's you're walking a fine line of taking the information because of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Um, about yeah. reading information from the software, simply accessing that software potentially, I'm not saying it does, but potentially could break that and you're breaking the law. Right. Like federal law. Like it's oh, the law. it's felony, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. breaking the DMCA. Um, and there was an interesting story I heard on NPR a couple of weeks ago about a farmer with a tractor. I may have told this story online. He His tractor broke down and it was a software issue. And he was a former software engineer. Okay, the guy that owned the farmer that owned the tractor. And he's like, listen, I could fix this myself. I could hack into it. But he goes, that would be illegal because I would have to crack it, which breaks the DMCA, which I would be committing a felony. So instead, he has to call the John Deere dealer, wait three days for them to come out and take 15 minutes to hook their computer up to it to fix his tractor so we can get back to farming. Well, in farming... A day could be the difference between you lose everything or, you know, you make your money for the year. Feast or famine. So this is just an example of how it could affect you going into cars. Like, let's say Detroit Tune, for example, needs to get, you know, somebody brings in their car and they go, hey, my car's throwing a code. Chad's like, well, let's hook it up to the computer and see what that code is. Eventually, car manufacturers, if they wanted to really crack down on it, could get to the point and say, that's proprietary information. You have no right to do it. You have to take it to a dealer, an authorized dealer of X vehicle to have that information read. And nobody's really pushed that issue yet because, you know, well, I think they're, it, they're starting to, though. But there is also the right to fix your car act. So it's yeah, like there's yeah. two contra- contradictory exactly. uh, laws that basically, you know, you throw this middle gray area in, you know, like so it's but it, it's it, all about the information. And the and the thing is, is like like you said, Chad, do you own the car? And if you own the car, do you own the right to the information that's inside that car? Right. And that's what it comes down to here. And um, and you know, and people even have to think about that when they're doing those uh, those little tests with their insurance companies. You know, right. they've got uh, the progressive system and they've got it plugged right. in their OBD2 port. I mean, that thing is tracking all of that data and looking at every everything single thing from that the, the car is going on. You know, and they've said that that tracks everything from the volume of the radio to how hard you brake to oh my God. how hard yeah. you accelerate. All of that information yeah. is yeah. in my car. I don't care if it's going to save me a hundred bucks a month on insurance. Yeah, no way. I, so, I, wouldn't, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't do that because I don't want them to know anything about my driving style. So anyway, all. we say kudos to Porsche for saying, "Hey, listen." Yep. That information is not yours to have. That belongs to the drivers, and that belongs to us as a car company. So uh, no thanks, but no thanks. We should all buy Porsches now. <laughs> Some of us almost already did. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we're gonna we're gonna change we're gonna change tact. We're gonna start calling this the Porsche Podcast, and done done. <laughs> I need to make hey, gentlemen, more, good night. Thank I, you. I need to make some more money in the meantime. Black yeah. Cabrio Radio. Yeah. There you go. Um, we're going to not talk about that anymore. We are going to talk about some Mini Cooper stuff. We have a really great interview tonight with um, uh, Stephen Simpson. Stephen Simpson, right? Yeah. Yes. Simpson, and he's the head guy over at the JCW Racing Team over at Lot Motor Motorsports. Well, right? he's one of the he's he's one of the head guys. So uh, Todd and Alex got a chance to talk to them, talk to him tonight. Really awesome. Uh, we've got some news from MotoringFile.com. We've got a couple other things. Whatever we can come up with, of course. We're going to get to all that here in just a minute after we tell you guys about one of the fine sponsors here underneath the white roof. And um, you guys know White Roof Radio is brought to you by the fine Patreon 
sponsors over at patreon.com forward slash white roof radio who help keep uh white roof radio up and afloat along with the great sponsors that we have as well like our friends over at outmotoring outmotoring.com you guys love them and so do we and there's a reason for that is because they sell all the cool stuff for your mini uh, including the newest thing and this has just showed up in my inbox because i subscribed to the email newsletter and there's this uh, jb plus plug and play tune for the n18 mini you plug it in your mini goes faster boom done how hard is that? Adjustable clutch stop, really cool stuff. Not only that, but Aaron's been booking over there, and he's added like 14 new products just this week. 14 new products for your Mini or a Mini that maybe your friend owns or maybe your girlfriend owns or maybe your boyfriend owns. 14 new products that are available for Mini Coopers available now over at motoring.com. I'm going to link up to the new products page so you can go over and check out all the hotness that is there. Um, go check it all out. Once you get over there, besides the new products, there's a full line of car care products. There's a full line of all the OEM stuff that you need to do the DIY repairs, your oil changes and all those things. All that stuff's over at outmotoring.com. You want a hat, shirt, shoes, a belt, a watch? All that stuff's over at outmotoring.com. Heck, I think he even sells the Bulldogs. Better. It's it's like going to your, your mini parts desk, but better because he has all these other cool things, all of it over at outmotoring, outmotoring.com. And don't forget, when you're there, I want you to make sure you sign up for the email newsletter like I already mentioned. Besides getting updates about all the cool stuff that's happening at outmotoring.com, it also gives you a 5% discount coupon that you can use whenever you go shop. Super awesome. You buy some things, you put in your code, you save 5%. Awesome, awesome, awesome. We all like saving money, especially, you know, as we get closer to the silly season, which is right now, right now we're still in PSL season, but the silly season starts in like three weeks. So just prepare yourself now. Head over to outmotoring.com. Get it taken care of. That's our friends over at outmotoring. Outmotoring.com. Mini performance, speed, and JCW exhaust manifold. No, for reals. That's outmotoring.com. Maestro. Please. Oh, for the very short amount of news we have tonight. Very short amount of news we have this evening. We do start off with uh, Gabe did a really neat thing last week, and this is something that he's never actually done before. And that is, uh, a, he did something for um, a, a little matching challenge for, for breast cancer. So I thought this was really cool, and I'm sure that enough people have already done this but basically gabe said tell you what if you guys can donate up 250 bucks he was going to match pretty sweet deal yep. anyway go gabe well and it's a it's a big thing the the Komen foundation to partners with bmw every year and they go out and do drives and test drives and uh uh, it's a it's a big charity for for BMW and Mini. So that's yeah, well, and you guys might have noticed if you're watching the sports ball on Sunday, everybody was wearing pink. There was pink. This yes. I'm surprised they didn't paint the balls pink. <laughs> but uh, the um, the Cardinals Rams game, everybody was pink all over the place. Yeah, pink shoes, pink armbands, pink ribbons, pink all the things. It was yes. actually pretty cool. Yes, it was. So that's pretty cool. No, it's a great initiative. Go and that was a great game, too, by the way, if you watch the sports ball. I really enjoyed that, watching that game. <laughs> DB talking football. What is the world coming to? I know, right? <laughs> it was an awesome game, except that we couldn't we couldn't score. All we could do yeah. was field goals. But other than that, it was an awesome game. Um, if every, fo- every sports ball game was like that, I would watch all the time. Because that game was super exciting. <laughs> and they're just, like, lame and boring and full of timeouts, and I can't even be bothered. Oh. Um, Mini Talks, New Clubman, and Evolution of the Brand. Did you guys watch this video? Yes. Yes. So the only video that I watched was the, the, little, was the, the, the Mini, the Clubman in Motion, that little B-roll video, which was pretty cool. But I didn't actually watch the interview with Peter Schwarzenbauer. I think uh, so, so the video is obviously always interesting, um, uh, you know, to see the, the head of the brand, you know, talk about a new model like this. Uh, a lot of things we, you know, we already mentioned here on the show uh, in regards to uh, what the segment, you know, represents and the growth potential of the segment. Uh, what the, um, the this new car, you know, in conjunction with the rebranding of the of Mini, you know, uh, is and what their strategy is. And also, um, I've. I think maybe I'm, maybe I'm remembering correctly. They talking a little bit about the um, the the overall strategy for the for all the the, the lineup of mini. Uh, you know, it's the the one thing I the one thing that it's uh, it's a little bit funny when you watch the video is that the you cannot hear the question being asked. Right. Just hear him. You know, answering those questions. But other than that, um, also what's what was you know fun? It's some driving scenes of the. Uh, of the Clement, I think this is the first time we we see the car actually uh, 
moving um and in 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 you know in in real life as opposed to some computer generated uh um, videos that we've seen when the car launched originally uh, a month ago. Well, and something I find interesting about this, and it goes along with, with two things, with the the Clubman and the rebranding, how Mini is going more upscale. They're they're targeting uh, kind of a more, I don't want to say conservative, but uh, it's more grown up, if you will. I like grown up. Yeah, it's, it's a little more grown up. And this kind of struck me this last week as we were going through over on Facebook, um, a little discussion about the size of the new Clubman. And I realized something about this. It was like a um, kind of an eye-opening moment of all of the people who are complaining about the size of the Clubman, saying, oh, it's huge, it's enormous, it's so big. And I was I was kind of sarcastic in, <laughs> in one of my comments that... Um, uh, you know, oh, that's that, my post over on the Facebook. Yes, that was your post over on the Facebook. And somebody was commenting about how enormous the new Clubman was going to be. And I go, oh, my gosh, it's 20 millimeters longer than a Volkswagen <laughs> Golf. Right. And I said, which everyone knows is the largest car on the American roads today. Right. So I, I said, I don't understand how people are going to be able to park this new Clubman. It is so big. So that was my sarcastic response. Yeah, so anyway, the enlightening moment for me was to realize how all of the people complaining about the size of the Clubman are a lot of old school people who are still driving around in their 2002 to 2003, 2005 Mini, Mini Coopers. And they're like, oh, they've just gotten so big with the country running the club. And it's just ridiculous. It's not Mini anymore. And I'm done. Right. <laughs> so that was my best impression of James Day. I like um, that. <laughs> so, and, and all of the people representing that. I'm not picking on James by any stretch of the imagination because there's a lot of people out there who are complaining about it. But this was my eye-opening moment to realize, you know what? The reason Mini is changing their marketing is because they can't get those people anymore. They are done. They are gone. They are so cranky. Get off my lawn. I don't <laughs> like the direction <laughs> Mini is going. They've all moved on to Fiat's and other things. And well, they're bent because they think the car's gotten too big or too ugly and they're just going to drive yeah. other 53 to brand. Right, right. There's a lot of people who are still fantastic mini enthusiasts who are driving around in their R50s and their R53s and their early R56s and they're never going to let them go because they love the car so much. And Mini is in the business of selling cars and making money and they're right. like, we got to go find new customers because these people aren't buying minis like, you know, like they should. Yeah. And that was kind of an eye-opening moment. And it's like, you know what? They are grown up. They can't, you know, the kids, are the, they don't want to let go of their old minis. So we have to go after a more sophisticated kind of clientele. Right. And uh, I think it was kind of an enlightening moment for the, the, the marketing there. I don't think it's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. I think no. it's just business. Yeah, we as enthusiasts um, have, our, if they stuck with us, we would basically strangle the brand in the United States. Yeah. If all they did was please us, they wouldn't sell any more cars. Well, and I have to yeah, say they that wouldn't, yeah, because nobody. I mean, you can look, you can see that very clearly when you're attending, uh, you know, mini mini events. That's the, you know, not so many F56s. I'm not saying people are not buying them, but at least when you look at the 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 breakout between R53s and R56s and the new one, it's clearly clearly on the old side of things. And granted, those people those people take really good care of their cars, right? So they don't really have a reason to change. Uh, right. As often as the brand, you know, updates the lineup, but right. still, it's those people are of a certain age, and you know, like you don't change cars often as you would, you know, maybe in your earlier, you know, early in your career, let's say. Well, you don't have to because uh, I mean, I know myself. I'm driving around in a nine-year-old Mini that I still love. It's a fun car to drive. It's in great shape. I put a lot into it, and there is no reason for me. There's no like necessary reason for me to upgrade, like, other than I want to. Now, that being said, you know, my lady friend's driving the new F56. I still get the, the joys of that on occasion. Right. But I don't, like, if I were just in a position of, I don't have to buy a new car because this is still a great car, and it's nine years old. Now, that being said, Mini's not making any money off of me because of that, and hasn't for nine years, although, you know, I bought parts. Yeah. But, you know, I, it's starting to all kind of make sense now. 
And there's also something else which is really irritating, and we see this over and over again with you know people making judgment on on cars they haven't seen in the flesh. Right. Like they did this for the F56, they not so much for the F55 because really wasn't advertised that much, but they're doing it again with the F54. And all, all of the people we talk to, the ones who've seen the car in the flesh, I think it was AJ, uh, Gabe, and some other folks. Like it doesn't even some of the uh, other news outlets. It doesn't really look that big in the flesh. I mean, it's really. <laughs> It's really not as as big as you would think it is. It's not. It's just not. So before you know, people just before making a judgment, go see the car and and also go drive it, and then and then make your own opinion. Yeah. Anyway, we need to move on. We're running short on time here. Um, I want to finish up. I want to tell you guys to go. Gabe actually was in New Jersey, and he rang up Mini USA and said, "Hey, can the club come out and play?" And so they wheeled the club, just like a pre-production, they wheeled it out in the rain from inside, put it on the parking lot, let them take pictures, let them crawl around it, check it out, ask a bunch of questions. And he put up his first set of impressions of the car without him being able to drive it. I want you guys, I'm going to link it up in the show notes, but click back over to motoringfile.com and take a, you know, your next coffee break and read it. It is long, but it's some good information in here. You know, I was asked a question recently, and I don't know if any of us know the answer. The back doors on this car? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Are they full-size back doors, or are they like the four-door back doors? No, the back doors are, are door. almost as large, like the rear, the, the back seat doors are mm-hmm. almost as large as those on a hardtop. So they're not as big then. They're, they're, small, they're, they're bigger they're than bi- the four-door. They're rear. bigger than the four-door and bigger than the Countryman. Yes. Okay, got it. But so, not as big as a paceman. <laughs> right. So it's a proper, so the, the rear, <laughs> a proper door. Like a person could get in and out of that car easily, not like in the four-door where you have to bunk your head. And that's the point Gabe made in his uh, little article there, is that the car hole was um, <laughs> made for great access and uh, you know egress from the car. Yeah. Anyway, and there's some great... Gabe got a bunch of great pictures, probably with his fancy new iPhone. So go over there to Motorfile, like I said, linked up in the show notes. Why don't you go check that out? And then finally, racing uh, news... Oh, what? Sorry, just yeah. Nope. I just had a question for you. What do you think of the black, black on black combo? I think it looks pretty neat. Well, I don't like the black at all. Okay. <laughs> oh, I think it's badass. I think I just I just built one online to try and go. Oh, can I do this? Yeah, I don't like the black, but I don't like black cars because I live in the desert and black is black to me is boring. Black is all of the colors. I don't want all the colors. I only want one color. I don't need. <laughs> you know. I want a green. I want a red. I want a blue. Green don't, is nice. I I don't want. All of the colors. I'd rather have no color than all of the colors. I would rather have an all-white Clubman than a black one. That would look good also. All-white would look hot on that. Are you kidding me? Yep. Yeah, with, with black, black wheels. Yep. Yes. See, that would look hot. And not pepper white either, but like icebox white. Yeah, they need an alpine white. on, like on an alpine the- white. If the, if they could do the, this Clubman in alpine white. Yep. Oh. Well, they did it with the Countryman. That's what doesn't make any sense. And they called it, um, what was the white on the Countryman called? Yeah, it looked good, though. With Pol- the planet, but you can only get it with a black top, which is totally fine. Is it polar like- white? What the? Why am I at a loss for the color white? The uh, I don't have the configurator open. Yeah, but they did it on the Countryman because it was actually white. In fact, that was the the car that Gabe had for a year. The car we drove on many takes of stage 2012. And it looked nice. That's a, and that's every time I see a white Clubman, I was going, oh, that's a good looking car. Yep. Yep. It yeah, looks just- really nice from the inside. It looks th- really really nice. I think white looks better on on that car than the than the black. I don't like black on a Clubman. I don't like black on. Hardly any cars, if I'm honest. No, um, I think I'm on the same page as you, Jimmy. I'm not a huge fan of black or all black. Yeah. Some Corvettes look good black. Um, obviously, like maybe like a seven series would look good black, right? The big cars, the big Mercs, and maybe you know those kind of cars. Those look good in black because they're so big and they just look makes them look really menacing and badass. But little cars, no. Like I, like I've seen Fiat uh, Fiat Abarth, Fiat Abarth in black. I think it looks better with the color. Yeah, but it's usually got the red stripes on it, and that doesn't accent, so that makes it. Yeah, a little I mean, the, the red stripe help. Red, yeah. The red stripe help. Red stripe helps, but I still think that car looks better in white. Yeah. Would you guys put the stripes on this car? Not yeah. if it's black. I don't know. No, not- but like, so let, let's say you don't. No, let's say you choose the color you want. You be like, would you put stripes on it? I I, I would get a feeling you would well, like and lengthen no, that- lengthen the car. You have yeah. to uh, define what kind of stripes because like mini hood stripes. Well, mini stripes never, but you know something that you know Todd could. Tr- <laughs> no, but I mean, design, absolute, yes, just, yes. I think the car absolutely is begging for some sort of stripes. That's going to make it a little more sporting looking. Yeah, but we'll see. I'll be? I'll be doing it very soon. I don't know because uh, when I get a Clement, if I were to get a Clement, I'd have to get it in the maroon color, right? Um, and I just don't like 
that color with stripes. Well, it would have to be white stripes, but you can't get this car with a white roof, I don't think. I would agree. I think if you did it with like a cream color, it would be pretty cool. I cream, can't. Like you should be able to get that in a white roof. I think. I don't know if they're doing the clubman. I think. I still think they're not doing the clubman with the white roof, are they? Yes. Uh, yeah, you can. Yeah, there yeah is, I was going to say, uh, I think that, so, oh, because that video had a white roof. Yeah, it's an option. So velvet red white. Maybe with some, but then you'd have to do white stripes to match the roof. Yeah, so, it would look good. Yeah, Alex, I don't know. It would look good. I need to, I'll just uh, so one. Okay, good, good thing. Um, one last question before we move on. Um, so, if you guys remember the video with uh, Peter Schwarzenbauer, there is the uh, there is a clubman in the back, right, when he's talking, and that clubman has JCW wheels. Those wheels are different than the one we have in the configurator, right? Um, I think they're an optional. Yes. Okay, because they look really nice. Those wheels look really, really nice. Yeah, they do. You're right. Anyway, let's finish up with news. Uh, we've got some race news here. The Mini JCW Series finale at Road Atlanta. They just finished up, and uh, our boys over at Latin Motorsports, they took second place. Podium finish. Yes. It's not too shabby. Yes. Uh, um, we're going to talk more to those guys here in just a minute. Um, we're going to go and be done with news, however. And then we're going to do the interview after I remind you guys about our friends over at Craven Speed, another one of the fine sponsors here underneath the white roof. We love these guys. You guys love them, too. They make all the really cool, fancy, high-tech gear for your Mini. They make it out of, like, carbon fiber and unobtainium with computers and robots and lasers. It's all the really neat stuff. Uh, it's a dipstick for your Mini that you can actually read and doesn't break. It's uh, performance springs. It's a Koala intake manifold spacer. It's the squeezy thing, the flex pot adapter, so you don't have to hold your phone or try to keep it in your cup holder like an animal. It's a platypus mount for your, uh, for your front license plate when you have to live in California because you have to have a front license plate. It's all of these things plus so much more. And it's all, like I said, it's all custom crafted, made with high quality materials, Us usually like with computers involved some way, shape, or form. And they have something high tech or performance related for all minis. Go over there, check them out, cravenspeed.com. While you're there, I want you to make sure you sign up for their email newsletter as well. There's a link at the bottom. Uh, you get updated whenever they put something new on the site. It happens maybe like once a month. Not very often. It's like you're not going to get spam. It's really cool. You should sign up for that. And then, you know, if you buy anything from them, uh, which is really awesome, there's a comment for there on the order page. And I'd like you to make sure you put in there that you thank them for supporting White Roof Radio. We really appreciate that. So do they. They, of course, being our friends over at Cravenspeed, cravenspeed.com, home of the Electric Mini. So how about that interview? Hey, everybody. Todd, Todd from White Roof Radio here uh, with Alex. And we are here with Stephen Simpson from the mini JCW racing team. And uh, we interviewed Stephen a few months ago when he was in Kansas City. So we're glad to have him back after um, a successful finish to the season. Stephen, how are you? Absolutely. I'm very good, guys. Thanks for having me on this evening. Absol absolutely. We're very happy to have you, yeah. We were, and, and just as a programming note to our listeners, we were supposed to uh, have you on last week, and uh, our, our lines got crossed. But it's good, because the day after we were supposed to record last week, the team, the three minis went out at Road Atlanta, and uh, one of the minis finished second, right? Absolutely. It was... Uh, it was a great way for us to end our uh, our season, and uh, it leaves us going into the off season with, with uh, lots of exciting things to to be working on, and uh, I suppose waiting uh, waiting pa as patiently as we can for uh, for next season to come along, and hopefully uh, we can pick up where we left off uh, at Road Atlanta. Well, that's awesome. It was a it was a I'm sure a fun season for you guys, and kind of a, a brand new. You didn't have a lot of prep time at the beginning, right? This all just kind of happened pretty quickly. And uh, what I mean is not a lot of prep time for the cars. You kind of got to know them through the season. Is that right? Absolutely. The, the, everything came together very late, uh, as is typical with motor racing. But, uh, you know, in this situation, what we did was we, we knew we were unlikely to make uh, the first race at Daytona and we, we just did our best to get the cars ready and, uh, and get to Sebring in March, which turned out to be our first race. And, uh, I must say lap motorsports and Lewis Pericarpi, uh, the owner, they, they just did a fantastic job to get the cars ready in time. Uh, I think Lewis got, uh, got the cars ready in, in record time and, uh, you know, it's still funny to think about it because that first weekend at Sebring, we had two cars on track, uh, and uh, the the 37 car 
got out for some practice uh, before the race weekend, or as I should say before qualifying, and um, ran a couple laps. And then the number 52 car, it, it literally went through tech uh, on Friday afternoon, and uh, or I think it was Thursday afternoon actually, and we went through tech, rolled off the scales, and went straight out for qualifying. And that was the the first laps that the number fifty car, fifty two <laughs> car ever turned was in qualifying at Seabreak. So, so the uh, the shakedown was during qualifying. <laughs> absolutely, it was. So uh, to think uh, where we started and and where we've ended up, it's it's really a great story, uh, you know, to to have started off there and to be. Ending the season a handful of months later uh, with a second place finish—it's it, just—it's uh, just fantastic. So, um, uh, Stephen, I'm, I just wanted to bounce back on what you said in regards to uh, the cars being uh, prepared in a record time. Like, what what makes it exceptional? Because you know, some people that are uh, some of the, our listeners are not necessarily familiar with the process of uh, preparing a car for uh, for uh, racing. So, what makes it like really an accomplishment that it was done like in such that's a great question, Alex. So uh, a couple things. Uh, you know, on, on one hand, the uh, mini John Cooper Works hardtop cars that we've been racing this year are very, very similar to uh, a road car that you can go and buy in a dealership. On the other hand, in getting the cars ready to go racing, there was a lot involved. So when the cars arrived at Lap Motorsports Workshop, they were road-going cars. You, they were just like you could buy off a dealership showroom floor. And then what the team had to do was literally strip the cars to a blank bare shell. Uh, then what happened was the roll cage got designed. And bearing in mind, with the F56 being a new car and the car hadn't been raced before, there, there wasn't a a blueprint roll cage that we could go and buy off the shelf. So the team actually actually had to design and custom make the roll cages for the cars. So uh, that typically is is a fairly long and detailed process, and uh, it was still detailed, but it was just it was done in a very short space of time. And then once the roll cage was done, the car got painted inside uh, to to make it look good. And then a lot of the electronics, we have a Motec uh, dashboard system in the car, which gives us telemetry. Uh, we had to fit things like a, uh, a safety cell, which is mandatory for the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge. So this the, the fuel cell is very different to what the fuel cell would be in, in a road car. Uh, so it's actually a racing fuel cell that has to be located in a certain position in the car, which is actually in the trunk. It has to have certain safety features around it. Uh, it also has to have a fire extinguisher hooked up to it. So that was also a long, detailed process. Uh, so a couple of the, the, the parts inside the car took a lot of time. Uh, one of the other things that also took a lot of a lot of time and effort and also money was our differential. And we worked closely with WaveTrack differentials to uh, design and build a, a differential for the, for the race car because the, the standard road-going differential wasn't, uh, wasn't going to work uh, from a racing point of view. So that got designed and built. Uh, but really, Alex, other than, other than those couple of things that I've mentioned, uh, the car, a lot of the car is stock. So the engine is completely stock. Uh, the transmission is stock. Uh, we use a, obviously it's a manual car and, um, we don't tune up the engine in any way. It's, it's absolutely how, how anybody out there who has a, a 2015 mini John Cooper works hardtop car would be driving. So on, on, that's why I say on some, on, on one hand, the car is very similar to a road going car. And then on the other hand, there was a lot of work that needed to go into, to make the car actually, uh, raceable. T thanks for describing all of that. I mean, it's uh, it's. I mean, you're right. It's really a huge accomplishment, and um, and it's something to behold because um, you know, I I don't know if you guys are going to be fielding a mini team next season, and, and I'm sure you can talk about it. But um, I, I've had a chance to attend Lime Rock and, and see the car uh, up close, and it's really something to behold. So uh, so congrats on that. So it's, uh, it's a really huge uh, accomplishment. Thank you. And so uh, 
Stephen, I, I know you said other than the safety modifications that go into the car, it's uh, it's very similar to a showroom car. So, which brings me to my next question is, what are the difficulties in prepping the car for the track, especially a new car like this, getting to know the limitations of things like brakes and uh, the onboard computer system and, you know, all of the, hey, let's turn the DSC, let's turn all of the traction control off, let's disable whatever we can, because I know, you know, from myself, personal track experience, a lot of those are, are fairly intrusive in a track environment. So what did you guys learn and what did you have to do to the car to make it race competitive? You know, another great question, Todd, and uh, absolutely, I mean, everything you just mentioned is spot on. Uh, what we are trying to do is run the car with the standard ECU unit that, that comes with the car. Now, our other option, which a lot of other teams out there do, is they go and buy a very, very expensive Motec or Bosch ECU unit, which essentially when you buy that new ECU, it can override all the other electronic components in the car. And what we're trying to do is is keep this car as stock as possible. And um, it has been a challenge because, as you just mentioned, with the ABS and the stability control and and all the other different uh, bits and pieces of, of computer components in the car that when you're going around a corner really quick and uh, you're getting on the power and your, your four-wheel drifting, uh, typically the the electronics in the car are saying, no, we don't like this. Uh, we think you're going to get in a crash, so we're going to slow you down. So they have been, at, at almost every race this year, we've uh, we've been playing around with that. We've had uh, uh, mini technicians at all of our races this year, which uh, they've just been fantastic, uh, not only teaching us a lot about the car, but then also learning a few things themselves when the, the car gets put through its paces on, on the track. So uh, so in terms of all the, the stability controls and, and electronics, it's something we're working through. We're, we're essentially trying to, to a certain degree, reverse engineer the car and uh, try and get our minds around what the electronics are, are telling the car to do, uh, why it's telling the car to do that, uh, and in what situation it's telling the car to do that as well. So uh, things like braking, uh, we have been experimenting a lot with uh you know one of the things we've been doing is is trying to turn the abs braking off the car and, and see if that's going to help us and i can tell you now we did do that and uh, we actually did it at road america and and uh, i came in the pits uh immediately and said we have to have abs back on because the abs <laughs> wasn't only affecting the braking there were various other components that we're getting affected by that. So it, it's fairly complicated, uh, but it's something we've been working through and uh, and f finding solutions to. That's interesting. So so I know earlier in the season, uh, you spoke of braking. <clears throat> you learned a lot about the limitations of, uh, of that. And so what have you figured out for the best setup for brakes um, within the limitations of what the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge will allow for for use on the track so the braking system on our car is the, the with the continental tire uh, sports car challenge the the rules what they do is obviously we have various different manufacturers uh, various different uh it, well every car has strengths and weaknesses so what the series do is is they work on the bop which stands for the balance of performance before between all of the manufacturers out there so essentially some cars might have slightly more horsepower than others depending on their weight uh, and they just try and balance everything out to make sure that it's as level playing field as possible and one of the areas which IMSA decided were actually was too good on our minis is the Brembo brakes that the uh, John Cooper works come with. So what we actually had to do was take off the Brembo brake system and then put a Cooper S brake system on the car. And once we did that, we realized that the, the Cooper S braking system was not quite good enough for racing conditions. 
So what we then did was we kept the Cooper S caliper and we, we were able to use a slightly bigger brake rotor. So what that was able to do was provide obviously more surface area for, for the braking, uh, but also uh, disperse some more of the heat uh, a bit quicker. So uh, that upgrade worked very, very well. And um, and right now the brakes are are really good. We've we've been working on cooling as well because some of the races we went to were were not only very very hot but also very hard race tracks on on the brakes. So we've been working at the brakes. I would say almost every race weekend. Uh, something else we've been doing is working uh, with with various brake manufacturers on finding the best brake pad for our, for our cars as well because obviously the races are two and a half hours and when we run for two and a half hours in very hot uh, grueling temperatures at uh, heavy brake racetracks uh, the brakes take a real pounding so we've been experimenting with our brake pad compounds as well and and I think where we're at right now is is really really good I mean I I think we can still find a little bit more performance in the brakes but it's something that we've been we've spent a lot of time and money uh, getting to the stage that we're at right now so um I have a, a two-part question related to what you you just said so um the the racing authorities uh you know in charge of you know doing this uh, balance of performance thing um can you explain us first, like how do they come to the realization that you know maybe you guys have two two good breaks compared to uh, maybe uh, the competition, and also is there some kind of um, some kind of politics involved in uh, seeing a new a brand new team uh, basically progressing so rapidly uh, over you know over over a season as opposed to some teams that, some legacy teams that have been here for a long time? Like, do you have to? pay your dues before you can actually you know claim you know some some fame or is it just some imagination on, on my part no it's another great question alex and and you're spot on there i mean i i suppose answering the second half of your question first uh, firstly imsa are are so happy to have mini usa part of the continental tire sports car challenge at the same time, there are manufacturers and, and teams that have been in the series for, for many, many years. And what IMSA do not want to do is is they, they're very careful, and I must say they're very clever uh, about how they go about uh, balancing the performance of all the cars. Because with a, a brand new car coming into the series, they want to make sure that the car isn't going to go out there and, and be at the back of the field, but also make sure that the car is not going to go into the first race and um, and and be a second faster than than all of the the teams and manufacturers that have been there for a long time. So, really, IMSA want to want to understand about the team, about the manufacturer, about the car, and over the course of a year, get an idea of. What are the strengths and weaknesses of a car, and what are what is the average speed or or finishing position or qualifying position of a specific car, and and that's how they will then put the balance of performance and and make their calculations for the following year. And with us this year, it was you know certainly a part of we needed to pay our dues, we needed to go through the process, and uh, and and IMSA didn't want to. They wanted us to do well, but they didn't want us to do too well too soon. And uh, like I said, I, I think that the the way IMSA go about their balance of performance is very, very good. Even if sometimes we we want a little bit more uh, boost or we want a little bit more uh, uh, top line speed, uh, I, I really respect the, the way they go about their, their balance of performance. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, so yeah. I mean, I, I think that um, uh, it, it's it's been it's been something good that we've been able to work with them through, and um, and I you know I must say I think we're happy with where we're at. I, I'm I'm not necessarily thinking uh, we want IMSA to give us uh, more boost or bigger bigger breaks. Mm -hmm. uh, I I think we're actually at a good stage, and I think the the next step is going to be up to the team to do a lot of testing and development on the car and just understand the car a lot better. All right. So speaking of the, of the future then, do you have an agreement yet with Mini USA uh, to support you know a team again next year, um, or are you that far along yet? 
Yes, we we are absolutely thinking of uh, of 2016, and uh, I can tell you that we're going to have three cars on the grid next year, and uh, and and preparation for for next season is well underway. And the one thing about this championship is that our season, or, or rather our off season, is is not too long. Uh, looking at my calendar now, we have uh, we really have two and a half months until the the, the cars are going to be uh, loaded up and on their way to uh, to Daytona in Florida for the first official series test of, of next year, which happens, it's the second week of January, and uh, we have a three-day test at Daytona in preparation for the first race of the season, which is at the end of January. So, uh, we really don't have a ton of time to uh, to sit back and relax. The cars are going to get rebuilt. Uh, all three of them will get rebuilt uh, before they head off to Daytona. And uh, we're also we've got a, a long list of developments and 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 things and ideas that we want to be trying on the car that we think can uh, improve our lap time and improve our performance next year. And it's uh, it, those are ideas and things that we want to try. Uh, and we want to implement uh, now because really once the season gets going, apart from the first couple of races, which uh, are uh, there are a couple of weeks between the first few races, but really in the middle of the season, the races are, are every second week. So uh, there's not much time uh, in the middle of the season to be uh, doing a lot of the big developmental uh, plans and ideas we have. So now is actually a fairly important time uh, planning for, for next year. So um, go going into uh, going into a new season like this, um, what uh, drives the no pun intended, obviously, what drives mm -hmm. the um, the uh, the decision to to do another season like this, except for the for the results, like do the fact that you know fans showing up at races, is it like a uh, is it a deciding factor into you know continuing, or is it just you know purely performance oriented? You know, Alex, I can't talk on behalf of Mini USA, uh, but what I can say is there there, there are a number of different factors that that would go into uh, into a decision. Uh, I think that uh, some of the things that from a from a team's point of view, we've been very, uh, very, very surprised and and very very happy to see is the response that we have got from uh, Miniacs uh, all over the country at races we've been to. Uh, there, there have been some races where we have, and I, I'm thinking of uh, Watkins Glen here, uh, and actually at Sebring as well. But we we were in the middle of a race weekend, and we had some kind of incident in in practice, uh, and we needed we needed some spare parts. And there were uh, many owners at the track, and these mini owners actually offered the parts of their own road cars to put on the race car so that we could wow. uh, get out in qualifying or, or make the race. And this happened uh, more than once. I remember uh, one particular occasion, we were at Watkins Glen and, and it just poured down with rain right before one of our practices. And we needed uh, two, uh, a set of windscreen, uh, windscreen wipers and uh, we were uh, there, there was a mini owner that uh, that we saw and we went up to him and, and asked him if we could borrow his windscreen wipers. And he said, sure. So there we were taking the, <laughs> the windscreen wipers off his car and then putting them on the race car so we could get out and, and practice. So this is amazing. <laughs> it, it was absolutely amazing. So the, the support that we got from mini owners was fantastic. The support that we got from mini dealerships was also fantastic. Again, there was there's more than one occasion where we uh, where we we needed parts and and I can think of Sebring as as one example where we needed new brake rotors because the the brake rotors and and the pad compound we had for that weekend were they weren't matching up and and we needed two uh, front brake rotors on one of our cars to make the race and and one of the dealerships in the area actually took two new brake rotors off one of their brand new cars and drove them uh, an hour down to the racetrack for us to uh, fit them to the car and, and get out on track. So uh, the, the support has just been fantastic. The, we've had uh, many corrals at all of the races, which was uh, organized by MotorWorks Magazine and, and Mini USA. 
And uh, we had great turnout at all of our corrals, which was just fantastic as well. And, and during those mini corrals, what we do is Mini USA provide lunch for all of the attendees. And we invite all of the mini owners into the team tent and give them a tour of the race car. They get autographs by all the drivers, pictures with the drivers and the teams. And that that was a huge success as well. So the reaction that we have had uh, with Mini USA uh, being back involved in, in professional motorsport in North America has just been fantastic. And we're, we've even had... Uh, mechanics from rival teams come up to us and say that their uh, that their son drives a mini and they love mini and can they have a, a crew shirt to go and give to their <laughs> to their son? Uh, so it, it's been fantastic, uh, and obviously the 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 team making good progress and and moving up the grid and obviously finishing with our second place finish at Road Atlanta. That you know, that's also further uh, motivation to carry on and uh, and move one step up, uh, once one step further up uh, up the the finishing order next year and actually uh, win our first race. Well, I think that's incredible, and I think with the the success that you uh, you know finish the season with, especially, um, you can count on more of that support for for next season and more fans coming out. And I know your final race is uh, it's going to be on TV coming up very soon. Uh, I believe it's on Fox Sports 1. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. Uh, um, so people will be able to watch that. And it's great because they get to see, you know, we know in advance, hey, uh, uh, one, of your, uh, uh, one of the three cars finished second in the class. So tell us a little bit about the race because I know you had rain to, to deal with. And uh, the minis kind of, uh, uh, they really liked that, huh? You know, Todd, the, the, the race was wet for the entire duration. And uh, what happened was when about an hour before the start of the race, there was a final practice session with one of the other categories that was racing that weekend. And there were, it, it was raining very, very lightly, but a dry line started to form going through turn one. And it was very much one of those decisions within the team of what do we do? Do we put rain tires on the car or slick tires on the car? And we decided to split the strategy for uh, for the three cars. So two of the cars started on slick tires and one of the cars started on wet weather tires. And I actually started the race in the number 37 car and I had slick tires. And, and I thought, well, with uh, 50 cars driving around the track, uh, there should be a dry line that forms fairly quickly. And not long after the race starting, it, it just started to, to rain a little harder. And uh, I can tell you that uh, driving on uh, driving with slick tires around the racetrack, <laughs> uh, around a wet racetrack, was, uh, it was interesting. It was a lot of fun, uh, but it was certainly a handful. Uh, but we were quicker than uh, a lot of the other cars on track. And I I think I overtook about eight or nine cars within the first few laps of the race. <laughs> uh, so uh, we were doing well. And uh, anyway, after about 15 or 20 minutes of the race, I came in and we put wet weather tires on the car. And uh, shortly after heading back out on track, the team came on the radio and told me that I just set the fastest lap of the race. And uh, we were going great. Uh, it was it was looking really, really good for, for not just the 37, but the other two cars as well. Uh, we had the 52 car running, I think, in fifth position when uh, Ramin came into the pits. And uh, all cars were, were doing great. And, and the car handling in the wet was just fantastic. It was so much fun to drive. Uh, and, and there were a couple of things that really stood out. Firstly, the braking in the rain was amazing. I was able to brake later than any of our competitors. And the second thing was just the overall grip and the balance of the car was, was just fantastic. So um, it was a lot of fun to drive. We were really, really quick. And I think at the end of the race, uh, two of our cars, well, the, the number 73 car actually set the fastest lap of the race. And the number 37 car, uh, my teammate, Zach Meyer, uh, set the third fastest lap of the race. So uh the Mini was definitely the, the fastest car in the race. And um, had it, had the race lasted a little bit longer, I'm pretty sure Matt in the 73 car uh, uh, could have actually won the race for us. 
Well, uh, that's that's an incredible finish, uh, considering a lot of people would look at, at rain and think, well, you know, <laughs> not such a great day. But turns out it was uh, it was great for the minis. So fantastic! Congratulations on on good finish overall. And I know you personally have raced in quite a few of the races this year, and I know you have a lot of different drivers throughout the year, um, and a lot of them coming into a brand new car. So, one, how do you find the drivers? Uh, because you go through quite a few during the season, I'm sure, through with a, a team of three different cars. And, um, you know, what's it like for them to, to get into a brand new car, you know, and, and kind of learn as they go? Absolutely. Well, in terms of finding the drivers, that was something that uh, on one on one side, it was a challenge because this was a new operation and uh, and and drivers wanted to see how we were going to do. And the other reason it was a little bit challenging was because the season had already started once we got got underway. So a lot of the drivers had already signed full time deals with other teams. But having said that, I, I feel that we were able to uh, get on board some fantastic drivers this year. Not only fantastic drivers, but good Mini ambassadors and and, uh, and drivers that fitted very well with Mini USA and, and Lap Motorsports. So uh, I really feel we, we were lucky in, in terms of attracting a good bunch of guys. Uh, and, and then how they uh, coped with driving the car Obviously, Mini's a front-wheel drive car, but it's also very light as well. So uh, it, it was very much a, a case of uh, the way I explained to our new drivers coming in was this handles like a big go-kart. And uh, when Mini talk about their go-kart-like handling, I can tell you that that's absolutely how, uh, how these race cars feel. Uh, so it really didn't take our drivers too long to, to get up to speed, and, and uh, all of them showed... Uh, uh, showed lots of promise and um and and we certainly hope to uh to have a few of them back for next year and we've still got a couple of uh, seats available uh which we're now starting to talk to other drivers about and there's a lot of interest in in the team and and also uh, drivers wanting to drive for mini usa and and drive these mini john cooper works hot top cars uh, there's definitely a, a positive buzz around us uh, at the moment so uh I expect to, as we go into next year, we'll probably have some familiar faces in the team, but also some new faces as well. Well, that's awesome. We're we're really looking forward to uh, to next season. It's it's so much fun to see, you know, minis on the track again here in the U.S. I know there've been, you know, uh, uh, a few years ago there was a couple of teams that that uh, fielded some teams here and there, but not to not to this extent and. Um, I, I love it. I love racing in general and I'm proud of you guys for what you've done. And, and so congratulations again on a, on finishing the season well. And here's hopes uh, that next season turns out even better for you. I appreciate it. We are excited and it's been great to catch up with you guys again. Well, Dan, thanks for coming. Yeah, we sure it. we sure appreciate your time tonight, and uh, try and get some rest in the off season, and <laughs> you know, have have fun as you get ready to to prepare for for January and uh, what's going on down in Daytona. Then, absolutely, we're looking forward to it, and uh, definitely we'll, uh, we'll we'll rest up a little bit, but uh, training's going to start very soon, uh, making sure we have a great uh, 2016. That's awesome. Well, Stephen, thanks so much again for your time. Thank you. Thanks again. Absolutely, guys. I appreciate it. Good chatting. Good. Take care now. <laughs> uh, thanks to Stephen again for coming on and spending time with Todd and Alex tonight for that great interview. Um, if you guys want to watch the race, it's going to get rebroadcast. You'll have to check your local listings, but if you get Fox Sports 1 on your cable channel or satellite dish, uh, that race is going to be rebroadcast on October 18th, which is... Uh, Sunday, a week from... Uh, week. Yeah, this coming Sunday. Yeah, this coming Sunday, in fact. So if you want to watch that, cut out two and a half hours of your day and sit down and watch some Mini Cooper racing. Right? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> because you know the outcome. There, that one of the guys is one of the uh, uh, one of the three Mini JCW racers comes in second.
comes in second. And if you guys want to keep a, keep track of these guys, otherwise, they're really active over on the Facebook. I'm going to link that up in the show notes as well. Uh, just click over there, and you can go like the Lap Motorsports page. If you don't want to click over to the to show notes on why, um, you can just search for Lap Motorsport, and they'll come right up because all of your friends you like the page. You're like the last one to that particular party, so just get on it. And they post like a lot of really cool information and some great pictures of the cars. It's really cool. You should follow them over there for sure. But there'll be a link in the show notes. I think uh, you know for, for those of you who have listened to the uh, to the interview, uh, it, this is great the the help and the the support they get from the fans. I think I was very very surprised to hear what Simon said about this. And uh, and you know Todd and Todd and I think agree on this. This is a uh, this is really looking good for for Mini because uh, I, I don't think a lot of people see the the brand as you know see necessarily the 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 racing heritage in the brand those days, and this is bringing some of it back like really really nicely. Um, and I hope they do. I hope they do great next year. I mean, it's grassroots, and that was uh, like the great story of needing a pair of uh, uh, windshield wipers and then having somebody there who just came in their Mini in their new mini and they said listen can we borrow your windshield wipers and he's like absolutely i mean that's grassroots racing right there yeah exactly sort of like taking parts off of one car and adding them to another we did that we we had a moment of that db when we were in st louis and uh, randy webb was racing my car that's right was <laughs> that was like a whole car i donated <laughs> what happened anyway we're done for the night gang thanks again for listening we do appreciate it um if you haven't in a while now would be a really nice time to go over to itunes and say something nice Maybe a couple star comment, a three, four, five star comment would be fantastic. We love those and they help us so much get new listeners. Makes it truly awesome. Uh, and, you know, don't forget next time you're out at a club event or you're with a bunch of other like minded Mini Cooper owners, if you wanted to say something nice about the Mini, that'd be about us, that would be super duper awesome. We would really appreciate that. Uh, but we are done for the night. This is the part of the show where I like to make the funny clicking sound and then I say questions comments or concerns go ahead click back over to whiteroofradio.com there you can leave us a note in the show notes you can also email us feedback at whiteroofradio.com until next week cheers later a bientôt